The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. going on guys my take radio episode 273 for thursday february 12th 2015 i'm your host rich and our call in number is 347-324-3541 again that call in number is 347-324-3541 as the announcement said earlier my take radio is rated m for mature due to strong language and Obvious adult content, so listener and viewer discretion is advised. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. As always, you can listen, chat, and watch live by heading to mtrlive.com, gfqlive.tv, or if you want a high-quality audio feed, you can go to mixlermixlr.com forward slash radio and listen to the show that way, but... Your best bet is to go to mtrlive.com. That way you can see the live video feed, interact in the chat, and of course you can also listen to the high-quality Mixler feed in 98, 96K stereo. So there you have it. Otherwise, archives are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio within 24 hours of the show's air date. And of course you can find video versions on our YouTube channels for My Take Radio and Rageworks. All right, so... Last night we ran a little later than I would have liked. Obviously, it was a a packed house wrestling-wise. We also had just a lot of news both from NXT and WWE plus the Seth Rollins situation. We had a lot lot of good laughs. Um, A lot of people have been reaching out, really enjoyed last night's show. Um, Like I say, I always try to stay within the the confines of 90 minutes, but sometimes things go... (laughs) Things go astray and and things get a little crazy, but either way, we try to keep it as accessible as possible. I know some of you guys have reached out and, you know, you like the shorter shows. It allows you to consume the show faster, but I also got to be a little bit on on the on the upfront side and say that, you know, if you can't listen to the show in one sitting, that's what the pause button is for. Um, uh, My buddy, Jason Ferrugia, who we interviewed uh, used that line not too long ago, and I kind of agreed. I mean, there's going to be some times where we're going to go the 90 minutes. Sometimes we're going to go 60 minutes. Sometimes we're going to go two hours. It depends on the amount of stuff going on in either mixed martial arts, wrestling, gaming, or entertainment. But I always got to put that out there because sometimes 
you guys tend to forget. And then I get emails or tweets or messages about, you know, the length of the show, et cetera, et cetera. And then I feel bad Then I got to <laughs> I got to come out here and, and, and kind of be a dick, which is not what I want to do. But sometimes it has to be that way. In any case, that's where we're at with regards to that. The other housekeeping issues I wanted to get out of the way is I've been beta testing a forum behind the scenes just to see if I like the layout and if it's something that we are going to execute or not. Obviously, Facebook engagement is just a a war of attrition at this point. Like sometimes I'm able to reach all of you guys. Sometimes I'm not. And Twitter's a great medium to get our, our updates out there. But not all of you guys like to use Twitter. So that's a separate issue. And Google Plus, forget it. Um, in any case, you know, we're trying to do um, the best thing possible to get all of our listeners and readers in one place to interact freely, whether it's talking about, you know, the latest games, the latest movies, what's going on in gaming or pop culture or action figure collectibles. We're going to try and, you know, give you guys a hub and a place where you guys could just hang out and shoot the shit in a more, um, friendly environment where you guys can see all our latest posts and share all your commentary without just having to deal with the Facebook bullshit. But in any case, um, it's something I've been testing. Maybe we're going to do a small beta test by the end of the month with a couple of dedicated listeners and some of our staff, and we'll see what the deal is. Um, you know, we'll see what the deal is. We will definitely, um, keep you guys posted. If I reach out to some of you guys to beta test, I definitely want to have you on board just so you guys could give me some real honest feedback. Like I said, uh, the goal is to possibly launch a public beta test later in the month. And like I said, I'll reach out to some of the listeners so that they can try it out. Uh, This weekend, of course, we will be at the 2015 Toy Fair. Uh, Myself, Slick, Andrea, and our colleagues from Royal Flush Magazine will be sharing tons of updates from the show floor So make sure to keep it locked to all our social media outlets, either at Rage underscore works on Twitter or at my take radio. And of course, on Facebook as well. And if you're following me on Instagram, it's RageWorks underscore rich. We're going to be putting a lot of pictures there for you guys to check out from the show floor tomorrow. I mean, uh, Saturday and Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. All right. So what do we got on deck for tonight? We have uh, plenty of gaming news. We got some MPD numbers. We're going to get into some stuff going on with the Evolve DLC. We're going to talk a little bit about Dying Light, especially after Slick's uh, very, very stellar review of the game. We are also going to get into this week's entertainment news, of course. The big news, the elephant in the room, Spider-Man officially free from the clutches of Sony, so to speak. And, And I'll get into that. And being involved in the mainstream Marvel Universe, we're going to dig into that. We're going to talk about all the potential casting issues and changes that we can expect for our favorite wall-crawling hero. As always, I will be taking your calls, 347-324-3541. If you're a little shy about coming on air, feel free to interact in the chat with the rest of our listeners and our very own Slick is in there as well, mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv to participate. All right, so let's get into this week's gaming news. We got lots to discuss, and I know for a fact that I'm sure Slick is going to have plenty to add as well. Let's get that ball rolling, shall we? All right, so I want to get the ball rolling with um, something that a lot of people have been kind of on the fence about, and 
I know some people that have read our reviews for it are a little upset, and that is WWE 2K15, and um, that is DLC that they're putting out, which is completely independent from some of the other stuff. Um, now, the thing is that they're doing story mode DLC. This one's going to be the Mark Henry 2K15 Hall of Fame DLC pack, which is the second showcase joining the um, Christian One More Match DLC with Christian and Randy Orton. Now, the issue that a lot of people are complaining about is that you can buy the storyline uh, DLC for $9.99 or getting, get it for um, get it with the season pass for $24.99. And the big frustration from a lot of people that I've been hearing is that why is it that story mode, quote-unquote story mode DLC is something that people have to pay for. I mean, if you're paying for additional wrestlers or additional move sets or thing, you know, things that are going to extend the life of the gameplay, but the showcase modes are essentially just regular single player campaigns focusing on some of your favorite superstars. So a lot of people have been very very vocal about the fact that, you know, they got they're on the hook having to pay for that shit and they should be getting that DLC for free. I mean, we've always had our ups and downs with WWE 2K DLC myself. I feel that, um, you know, I feel that the DLC should be more in line with things that are enhancing gameplay from, um, move sets to, you know, just other, other items that are really going to bring a new dimension to the game. The showcase modes, while they're nice and they fall in line with regular WWE storytelling, I feel that it's lacking in the sense that, it's something that really isn't adding to the gameplay other than, like I said, just reliving some of those iconic matches. Now, on the flip side, if you were releasing uh, DLC packs focusing on certain factions or certain Attitude Era uh, moments, well, correction, Attitude Era participants, then that would be a little different. And I think people would be a little bit more accepting. Now, with regards to the twenty four ninety nine season pass, I feel that that should allow you to get access to new movesets, new superstars, um, new arenas if they're available, and you know work on work on it from there. Again, that's that's how I feel about it. I mean, for me, WWE two K fifteen, like I said, gets an asterisk this year because a lot of the stuff that people really wanted to see for a first next gen game, you kind of we're not going to get those needs met. I feel that next year it's going to be a little different and we're going to see more. Uh, we're going to see substantial improvements from what I've heard. They've already started working on 2k 16 and um, Jerry Lawler and Michael Cole, from what I've heard are already recording commentary tracks for that. Now, like I said last week, when I touched on WWE 2k 15, a little bit, I said that, you know, changes to theme music changes to superstars changes to um you know just certain personality changes should be reflected in dlc at least within the 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 first 60 days 90 days if it's something that's permanent um a great example of this obviously the breakup of the shield Rollins should have had his new ring gear his new music rain should have had essentially what he has now um ambrose should have had his music etc etc i think those are things that people kind of expect i mean it's no different than madden doing the updates when guys get traded or new guys get drafted i think it's something that would really add to the realism of the game and like i said even if you release the game every other year and it was not an annual release i feel that it would just work better 
and you know, like I've said before, going in that direction versus you know putting out a half completed game every year and then nickel and diming people with DLC. But we'll see what happens. 2K16, I'm sure they'll release it sometime in October. So we're probably going to be getting updates for that most likely during the summer, unless something gets showcased at E3. In any event, if we hear anything, we will definitely share it with you guys. Now, the next bit of news, I know that it's probably going to piss off a lot of people that kind of were on the bandwagon of exclusivity and exclusivity is only about those companies that have deep pockets. At the end of the day, companies on the on the on the quiet would really like to see their products across multiple platforms. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because Titanfall um, may be coming to multiple platforms for its sequel. Um, At the Internet Media Conference, EA CFO Blake Jorgensen revealed that Titanfall's sequel would be a multi-platform release. Of course, the original Titanfall was released on Xbox One, Xbox 360, and Windows PC. He said, and I quote, Last year, it was Xbox only. In the future, which we haven't announced yet announced, but we'll probably have another Titanfall game. It will probably have a bigger footprint than just a single platform. I think that's a huge positive for us. He also added that Titanfall 2 would be out by no later than 2017, and EA wants to release a new first-person shooter every year. So there you have it. Not only does EA want to go multi-platform with Titanfall, but... It also wants to create first-person shooters on an annual basis. Take that for what it's worth. I feel that the whole, you know, the whole Titanfall thing, everybody was on board saying that that was the IP that was going to put Xbox on the map. And while I felt Titanfall was a good game and a solid game, I definitely don't think that Titanfall was really changing the game the way everybody thought. Now, making it multi-platform is going to allow the game to get a new audience and maybe increase its popularity a little bit. I mean, for for as much as people wanted to believe that Titanfall was going to be the next Gears, I just really didn't feel that was the case. On the contrary, I felt Titanfall was a good game, even a, a solid game. But in terms of being an IP that would be a flagship for a company, I just did not get that vibe. On the contrary, that title still belongs to Halo for the time being. I mean, they tried with Sunset Overdrive, but the Xbox first-person shooter of choice as of right now is and will remain Halo unless we see a brand new Gears of War, which there have been rumblings about that, but unless we hear something concrete, I'm not really going to um, put any weight behind those rumors. Now, the other bit of DLC news, and, you know, Slick mentioned it to me yesterday, and I told him I was going to be addressing it on air today, is in regards to Evolve, which recently just came out, um, everybody seems to really be high on the concept of, of this game, which is either you're playing as a team or as a monster hunting the team. And, of course, it's um, the graphics are beautiful. It's a really cool-looking game. I definitely like everything about the game, but what happened was they started shedding some light on DLC with regards to the game. And as soon as they shed light on that, a lot of people were bent out of shape. So according to what happened, uh, people went into the Xbox store and they were actually able to see some of the DLC that was on deck for the game. And pretty much it's totaling out to about $130 worth of skins and cosmetic items that are available for sale. 
If you go to Xbox One, Xbox One's DLC hub, you're going to see four pages of about 40 items or so that can be purchased a la carte, meaning, um, you know, you're going to be able to buy them one at a time. 24 of those items are $199. Nine of those items are priced at $299, eight are at $499, and three are priced at $699, giving you a, brand, a full total of $135.56 if you wanted to purchase every piece of DLC for the game. Now, the crazy thing is that none of that DLC that I just mentioned that's totaling $135 is included in the game's season pass. Now, do not adjust your dial. The $135 in DLC that I just mentioned is not included in the game's season pass or DLC associated with it. The $24.99 Evolve season pass will only allow you to gain access to three skins exclusive to the pack and four new hunters. Hunters will be available individually upon release for a price tag of $7.49 a piece. So think about it. There's a hundred and nearly $140 of a la carte DLC, which is not even applicable to the game season pass, which is $24.99. In addition, there's two versions of the game. There's the standard $59.99 release, and there is also a digital deluxe edition of $79.99, which gives you access to the season pass. So again, think about this $140 of a la carte DLC that are nowhere near associated with a season pass that you're paying $24 for again cost of ownership 60 bucks now cost of ownership $85 based on that not even factoring taxes etc so for an $85 cost of ownership you're only getting a fraction of the DLC and this has been frustrating a lot of people in the gaming community and with good reason because think about it you just bought this game and you're essentially getting a game that might be to the, to the to the average person considered incomplete you're missing that much stuff or quote unquote you're selling that much stuff it's ridiculous now i can understand if you were selling um just the you know just the season pass and you were including all of that stuff then there would be value there because you'd be like wow for 25 bucks i'm getting you know 40 pieces 44 items of dlc plus all these other expansions through the life of the game unfortunately ladies and gentlemen that is not the case and um, our very own slick wants to add to the discussion so i'm gonna bring him in so he can share his opinion on it slick what's up buddy what's up i don't know dude you tell me 140 dollars worth of dlc none of which is associated with the 25 dollars season pass in addition to that an 80 dollar version of the game doesn't even bring you remotely close to all that dlc now, you and I have talked about the DLC issues with Call of Duty, but this game is a brand new IP, and this is the reaction that you're trying to get out of people by pretty much nickel and diamond the shit out of them. It's insane. Yeah, they essentially want to get something like 220 to $230 out of each and every gamer. And when you really look at Evolve, I'm not trying to down the game in any way, but when you really look at Evolve as a game, from what I understand, I'm trying to double check, but I've heard from people that there are five levels, five different monsters that you can hunt. Right. And really, that's it. Okay. There's nothing else. I mean, there's there's nothing else to the game. I mean, it's it's asymmetrical 
you know, PVT, four versus one, but that's really it. I mean, there was an article, and I, I, you know, apologize to whoever wrote it that I don't recall what side I saw it on or who wrote it, but there was an article that said, you know, you, you mentioned Dying Light, but it was saying, like, Dying Light replaces the need to buy five different games that are, are big, you know, big-name games this year. One of the games they mentioned was Evolve because, you know, Dying Light has a, a, a single-player or, you know, multiplayer story campaign where you can play by yourself or play with up to three other people, right. four people total, and play through the story. Or you can play be the zombie mode, which right. is essentially Evolve because it's four people against the monster. Right. Well, And, it, I mean, Evolve lets you, you know, pick from a couple of different monsters and four people hunted. Even if you get the, the season pass, you're getting four additional hunters, but that's not making it eight versus one. That's just letting you pick from different people and maybe getting some additional weapons. Okay. Because it might just okay. be skins. And all that other DLC is, like you said, like, skins and maybe weapons and stuff, but none of that is going to, you know, add to the overall game. It's not going to extend the the shelf life of the game by giving you more to do. Well here's here's something crazy. Okay. Not to cut you off, but when 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 the the message the, the status of this DLC was brought to the attention of Turtle Rock's co founder Phil Robb he said that the game, that the DLC is just options, nothing more. Turtle Rock has gone on record as saying that it will release any future DLC maps and game modes for free to prevent splitting the community. Now, while I understand that, that does sound like a very reactionary reactionary response because they pretty much got called out on the fact that you're putting out 140, you know, nearly $140 of DLC and a $25 season pass. One, one, which is nowhere near compatible, so, quote unquote, with the other. And that's the shit that gets me. It's like, oh, it's options, nothing more. And it's like, so those options couldn't be included in the game. Why? You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. options are great. And, and I love options. I got no problem with options. They're great. But why not just have them in there and then just give us newer options that, you know, we might have to pay for? They're like, right, and I mean, I'm going to come back to a game that I actually do love, but because I got a shit on that one as well. But Evolve, when you really get down to it, Evolve doesn't feel like a sixty dollars game. It feels like like a a side mission. It feels like and a free to play. Okay, good enough. But I, I I wanted to give an example. It's like I, I don't want to pay sixty dollars for what I, I feel should be basically a side quest. And to to give an example, I want to go way back to Final Fantasy VIII. Okay. Final Fantasy VIII was a huge game. I mean, some people love it, some people hate it. Excuse me, not eight. Final Fantasy X, the first one. Right. In Final Fantasy X, there was a side mission which a lot of people spent a hell of a lot of time on called Blitzball. Okay. It was essentially like, kind of like underwater soccer. Okay. Myself included, a lot of people put a lot of time into that game, which really didn't have too much effect on the overall main gameplay. Okay, I'm with it you. It literally was a side quest. I mean, you got some extra items, but it didn't really do anything. It's like, that's like Square Enix trying to release Blitzball 
as a standalone game and charge sixty dollars for it. That's what I feel like with with Evolve. Well, you know what it is. It's like you, you finish the you, you beat the five monsters and then what? You well, do it again. Well, here's here's the thing. I think Evolve was put out with this with the with the motivation of creating a game that can be played with groups and that was just, you know, a departure from the usual, you know, from the usual first person shooter shit we've all played. And again, I commend them for that. I commend them for being risk takers and thinking outside of the box and creating something cool and, you know, crazy looking monsters and all that shit. And I have no problem with that. My issue again stems from the fact that these publishers are and I and and if if you're a publisher and you're listening, please correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel that the publishers are fucking phoning it in. That's that's really when you get down to brass tacks, dude. That just feels like the publisher is phoning the shit in. And I'll give you an example: EA 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 Sports UFC. Now we know that EA fucking nickel and dimes the shit out of gamers left and right. Thus far on EA Sports UFC, there have been roster update after roster update, and all the roster updates have been free. All of them. Every new fighter that comes in that they feel has a scan for the game, free. All of them. Legends, free. Brock Lesnar, who conveniently has a brand new scan for the game, even though, you know, he's not under contract, in the game, free. And this is the kind of and this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. You know that they put out the DLC, they extended the shelf life of the game and they could have charged more with good reason. You know, you could have got a heavyweight fighter pack, you could have had a welterweight fighter pack. Hell, even the Bruce Lee DLC, which they made, you know, they, they gave people the option of paying for, if you pre-order the game, you would have just got Bruce Lee for free. I got Bruce Lee and Hoist Gracie for free in that game and I didn't have to do shit except buy the game. You know, outside of the pre-order. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this game, in Evolve's defense, it's like, all right, you got 44 DLC items. 44. Even if you would have told people 40, if you would have told people 30 out of the 44 are in the season pass and you got to pay for 14 of them, it wouldn't be as bad as telling people, yo, there's 44 items of shit and you're not getting any of it in the season pass. But, you know, we'll give you some free shit down the road. What if the game bombs and they don't decide to release anything? What then? <laughs> Man, I mean, what if the free shit is shit? There you go. These are the facts. I mean, and it's funny because I didn't realize it at first because you know, I haven't really followed Evolve the way I should have, but I was thinking it's like, you know, it's the competitive mode of Left for Dead, but over and over again. And the people who made Evolve are the creators of Left for Dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least that game has like a story mode that you can you can run through and then you can run through it again with you know four you know four versus four uh, multiplayer and, and challenge each other. I mean, it, it at least gives you two ways to play the game. It's like evolves to me really feels like a thirty dollar game. I can, it really feels kind of half assed. I can agree with that assessment, and like I said, I could have even gone the route of free-to-play and then just pay as you go, and it probably wouldn't have been as bad because at least the bulk of the game would have been free. Like no, a good- if they made it free-to-play, they, they only would have given you the ability to do the hunt with the one monster. The others you would have had to pay for. Yeah, but that's fine, but at least, you know what I'm saying? Like People would have got 
they would have played the game. They would have been like, hey, man, this isn't bad. And then you wouldn't feel as bad investing in it because even if you would have invested $30 to get everything, just for argument's sake, you still got your foot in the door. You get what I'm saying? Like DC Universe Online is a great example of that. DC Universe Online, which was on PlayStation 3 and is now on PlayStation 4, completely free. You can play it. You know, it plays, you know, like any other MMO game and you're going in there and you create your hero and you do all this shit. But you're capped in certain in certain items and you also don't have access to certain things. So if you're like, hey, I want to make my character a Green Lantern. Yeah, well, you know, you got to pay for the whatever the Green Lantern pack and it's five bucks. But if you if you don't give a shit about being a Green Lantern, you could still enjoy the game. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's good. Good. I want to see how evolves, you know, winds up doing and. This is one of those situations where the, the pre-orders, you know, people are very wary about pre-ordering a game mm-hmm. unless they they have played it before or, like, it's a sequel. Even if it is a sequel to something, people are very wary about games. And it's it's getting it's getting to the point where, you know, we, we don't pre-order as much as we, we used to and we really shouldn't because things like this are happening more than they should, like, Evolve has had promotion out the ass. Yep. And people have been saying it's going to be fantastic and blah, 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 and this and that. And yes, the game is beautiful. Yep. But Absolutely. As we have said many a time, bringing up the Katamari Damacy, you know, example, one, a game builder doesn't have to look good to be good. That's 100% and a right. A game that looks good is not necessarily good. Yep. And again, that's not to say that Evolve is bad, but. Is it worth its price tag? I don't think so. It's like you could look, dude. You could spray paint a log of shit gold, and it's still shit. Yep. That's the. Those are the facts, dude. And that's what people fail to realize. And and the gaming industry, by and large, they buy into this hype. And and it bothers me because you know I see a lot of a lot of dudes out there just just oh this game's gonna be all and it's like this game's gonna be great because why? You know what I mean? Like like I can understand. If you played Uncharted and Uncharted 4 was shown and you, you know, you fucking creamed in your fucking pants about it because you played the first three games. You're like, yo, this shit's going to be serious. But, yo, it's a brand new IP, brand new. And dudes are out there. Yo, man, it's going to this is going to change the game. Really? Why is that? Let me please put me on. Let me know what the fuck I'm missing. You know, because to me, it just to me, it just looks like. Yo, it's it's a it's it's a game. It's essentially manhunt with your friends. <laughs> That's it. It's like, hey, hey, slick. Let's go. Let's go to let's go to Jamaica Park. Uh, park on Jamaica. You're gonna dress up as a monster. Me and three other people are gonna run from you. And then if you catch one of us, we switch. Thanks for making what's essentially a sixty dollar version of tag. Go fuck yourself. Pretty much. I hate to I say it, dude. But it, but it's true. It's like it's like oh, and, and by the way, you know, you got one hundred and forty dollars laying around. Buy all this DLC too, because you know that's okay. We just want you to buy numerous skins, and and I like that the 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 thing of oh, it's options. Yeah, well, yeah, you can get an escort and get options too. <laughs> and yes, it's an option, but let's be realistic. They want, they expect, and they hope that everybody that bought that game. Every single piece of that fucking DLC. You know it, absolutely. They're they're chomping at the bit for that. And, and here's here's a uh, here's one thing I got to put out there too. 
they, you know, Evolve was having a launch party here in New York. As a matter of fact, I believe their launch party may have actually been yesterday. And, um, you know, I, I saw it and I saw people and they were super hyped for the game. And it's good. And, you know, you're entitled to be excited. But you're excited from watching video trailers? Like the people that played the beta, full on right to be excited because they enjoyed it. And again, I'm not one that's going to you know, that's going to curb or tell you that you shouldn't enjoy some free shit, but I'm also going to tell you, call you out on your shit too. Like, Hey, did you play the beta? No. So why are you so hyped for the game? Oh yeah. Cause, um, the trailer looked really good. Really? That's it. Slick. How many times have we seen trailers for anything? And sometimes the shit sucks. Wet. We're looking at you. <laughs> I have an even better and much more relevant example. And I'm not, again, not shitting on the game, especially since it's not out. Shoot. But I've been... The order? On, I'm still on the fence, yep. I'm I knew it. I'm on the fence about whether I want to pre-order the, the, the order. Yep. Because does the order look great? It looks beautiful. Looks tremendous. It's, But that doesn't mean it's a good game. I no, mean, sir. We have seen gameplay, and the gameplay does look good. Right. But we see a whole lot more of just cutscenes than we see gameplay. Out of what we've seen of the order, if you put it on a pie graph, you've seen about 90% cutscenes and about 10% gameplay. Yep. And because the gameplay looks like the cutscene, sometimes it's hard to tell what's what. I agree. And they're, they're trying to get over with that. Well, you know what it is? Blob, Blob, Blob makes a valid point in the chat. He goes, that's the thing about nickel and diming, too. Once the hype dies down, they put stuff on sale. When they're putting DLC prices in outer space like that, they don't think everything is just going to wait. Everyone's going to wait them out. They should at least go emerald and chop that stuff in half, playa. That gets this clip. (laughs) That's what that gets. That gets the chop, indeed. How many times have I seen DLC for certain games? During during an Xbox Live winter sale for seventy five cents, it's like please buy this DLC, please, please. We're begging you to take the shit, please. So, and uh, no, go ahead. I'll let you finish. It it comes up with a, another recent game that unfortunately I have to say some not so nice things about, which is Dying Light. <laughs> man, oh man, I'm glad you brought up Dying Light because it's a perfect segue into the next two things I wanted to discuss. But go ahead, finish your thought, good sir. Dying Light, I mean, a lot of people say it's a new IP, and I disagree with that. It's not a new IP, because, again, I maintain Dying Light is the real Dead Island 2. Mm-hmm. Dead Island 2 is the new IP that people need to be wary about. I pre-ordered Dying Light because I enjoyed Dead Island, I enjoyed Dead Island Riptide. So being that it was made by Techland... I had no doubt in my mind that I would enjoy Dying Light. They went out of their way to promote the hell out of that shit. They even did what, what I wish more companies would do. They made, I, I, I say in quotes, a demo of it on YouTube where you sort of, again, in quotes, played the game by making choices as the video played on YouTube. So people got to see how the game played, even though there was no official demo. Right. They did a... I uh... got to play it. I'm enjoying the game immensely. And again, going back to the Evolve issue... It gives you that option to play that second game mode, which is completely separate from the main story, to be the zombie mode, which is essentially evolved. I'm saying it right now, and again, anybody who can get, you know, you can get mad at me. 
you know, put it on the on the fan page if you don't like what I said. But if you have dying light, you got Beaver Zombie mode free. Guess what? You don't need to buy the balls. Play Beaver <laughs> Zombie mode. I'm saying it. I mean, but the what? only difference that a ball has is instead of just having to be the knife hunter over and over again, you get to choose some five different monsters. But what if but what if you wanted to give light, <laughs> what? I said, what if you wanted to, you really, 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 really wanted to give Turtle Rock your money? <laughs> what then? <laughs> then that's going to take you out to dinner and stroke you off first. There you go. Fair enough. Well, I'm, I'm but, glad. Um, the, the problem with Dying Light is that, yes, I knew I wanted to play the game, but then I also went and bought the season pass. Ah, now, okay. The season pass is $20. And, you know, we did cover what was in it. I mean, you get... We did. The first season pass was called um, Cargo and Cuisine and Cargo, which did come out this week. The next one will be the Ultimate Survivor Pack, which gives uh, three new... Is it four new weapon blueprints and three extra uh, costume changes? And the final one is the Bozak Horde, which allows players to enter the, the Huron Arena, which... If anybody's familiar with the story, that was the first place everybody was taken when the, the virus outbreak happened. And so there's a shitload of zombies in there, bottom line. But, um, yeah, so the, the first DLC came out on Tuesday. Okay. And the Cuisine and Cargo DLC is only available to people who got the season pass. So when I went and downloaded that, I was a little bit upset to see that the size of the DLC pack was one megabyte. Really? You know what that means, don't you? <laughs> that means it just unlocks some shit that was already on the disc. There you go. Yep. And it kind of pissed me off because I had been thinking about it as I played through the game. Techland made a point to say that if you can see it, you can go there. And that's already been disproven because just like, Anybody who's played that island, there are areas where, as you approach them, and I'm not just talking about the wall, which makes sense for the story of the game, but there are areas where it says you are leaving a playable area, and some of them involve areas that you're supposed to be able to go to. Mm. One of them happens to be that Huron Arena that I just mentioned. Right. So I have a, I would expect that the next DLC will have some weight to it because it's adding additional things. Well, but that last one, the Bozak Horde, I got a feeling it's going to be another one megabyte download. Well, answer me this. Did you beat the game fully? No, not as yet. Okay. The reason I ask and is because... because I'm doing all the side quests and stuff. Well, the reason I ask is because they're getting a brand new... The game's getting a brand new hard mode via free content update, according to Techland. The, the hard mode is supposed to launch in March... It's going to have beefed up nighttime difficulty that will introduce even tougher infected modes. In this mode, of course, supplies will be limited and players will be required to play using stealth. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to be the, the, the good side of that is from what I understand, the game has a new game plus option. Come on, Mr. Platinum because, Trophy. <laughs> no, but it's not even that. If you, you need to play the game because. When it when it turns nine oh one PM in that game, it turns to hard mode. You do need to be stealthy because making noise does attract zombies and it attracts the freaking volatile which that they only come out at night and that, that shit makes the game hard mode. Right. If you see one, 
You're going to see a few more. And unless you, you know, can get your ass out of there really fast or have a really powerful weapon, you're going to get killed. <laughs> so to make it harder, yeah, yeah, I, I do, I do enjoy the additional challenge, but fuck out of here, Techland. It's <laughs> hard enough already. Come on, man, Captain Captain Platinum Trophy. I thought you'd be hype. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely gonna play it after I finish the regular story. I swear, if I see your console fly out the window, we are not responsible for that, ladies and gentlemen. Never happened. <laughs> well. On the on the subject of Dying Light, we did get the MPD numbers for the month of January. Where do you think Dying Light placed in the top ten MPD titles for the month of January? I don't know, man. I'm hearing a lot, of, you know, a lot about it. Uh, it seems like a lot of people did actually buy it. Right. I'm hoping in the top five. Okay. Well, allow me allow me to give you the numbers from ten all the way to one. So the number ten most purchased game for the month of January according to the MPD was FIFA 15 which by the way is available on PS4, Xbox One, 360, PS3, Wii, PlayStation Vita and 3DS. Just saying. <laughs> Number 9 was Destiny available of course for Xbox One, PS4, 360, PS3. Number 8 still that Madden still kicking ass 2015. Available on all four consoles, Xbox One, PS4, 360, and PS3. Far Cry 4 came in at number... Super Bowl. Yeah, probably. Far Cry 4 came in at number seven. That has all four consoles plus PC. Super Smash Brothers came in at number six. Of course, available on the Wii U and the 3DS. Followed by NBA 2K15 in the number five slot for all four consoles plus PC. And when I mean all four, I mean both PlayStation consoles and both Xbox consoles. Uh, Minecraft was number four. Let let that sink in. Minecraft was number four. Again, available on all four consoles. But just let that sink in. Minecraft, ladies and gentlemen, which has been out how long? Forever. Exactly. Number three slot goes to GTA, of course. GTA taking the number three slot on all four consoles. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare was number two in January. Either a lot of people got gift cards or they just fucking bought the shit out of that game because they discounted it at least 50 times. So with that said, I just gave you 10 through 2. What do you think the number one game is? Oh, sounds like it's Dying Light. Very good. Mind you, Dying Light was the number one selling game in January with a release on only two next-gen consoles and PC. Just saying. And also, you got to remember the fact that it released with only four days remaining in the month. There you go. It's kind of weird, though, because people seem to go out of their way to shit on Dead Island. Yeah, well. They're buying the hell out of Dying Light. Well, but, but the thing I'm saying is that you're looking at that or, you know, like you were saying when you reviewed the game and then I sent you some other reviews for the game as time went on. And you were like, yo, these same people are the same people that bought or played Dead Island because it's the first shit they reference, which is crazy. But yet the game is number one. Just saying, you know, with good reason. Well, I attribute it to one, I mean, Techland, the the game's been in development for a long time. Like, it was first announced, I think, in early 2013. And, um... Since then, Techland has been going out of their way like worldwide to make people aware of the game. So right. 
they they did their they did their work to to make sure that they secured a profit and being that it was only available on three different platforms, you know, I gotta applaud them for, you know, again, getting their getting their name out there. Well but go ahead. with the DLC bullshit, I mean I, I'm hoping that we, we we see a lot more good free content, which, you know, they, they have promised that there will be free content along with the what you paid for in the, the uh, season pass because so far it seems like except for maybe what's in the Ultimate Survival Pack, which comes out next month, that the other two items are already on the disc or on the download if you got it digitally, and they're just unlocking it. And if that's the case, that's not worth $20, people. Yep. And mind you, this is this is a guy who reviewed the game favorably. This is what this goes back to what I always say. You know, we're not feeding you bullshit. You know, Slick reviewed Dying Light favorably, but he's willing to call the game out on its bullshit. It's We're, like, should you play the game? Absolutely. I, I might recommend waiting a little while on the season pass, though. Well, here's one thing I did want to tell you. Uh, the MPD group stated that software spending rose 5% from January 2014, and um, that's as, you know, 8th generation console spending outpaced 7th generation console software sales. Um, in addition to that, um, sales for January 2015 titles were up 200% versus last year, with Dying Light, of course, being the major new release of the month. If January releases performed in line with January 2014, overall software sales would have decreased by 4%. Now, what they're saying is, interestingly enough, they noted that Dying Light's rampant success in the month of January broke the Evil Within's record, which was the record for a game that was released in October 2014 of the highest first month sales for a new survival horror franchise. Well, aside from the um aside from the promotion they they did, I mean, the game aside from being a fun game in and of itself, they they really did a lot to say, you know, thank you for purchasing this game. I mean, there's Easter eggs abounding. There's references to everything from Star Wars to Star Trek to freaking Gangnam Style to Super Mario Brothers to to even to Dead Island. And every example I just mentioned, this stuff is really in the game. Right. And, I mean, that's aside from the normal gameplay, which, you know, the tone of the game is supposed to be serious. It's like you, you're supposed to be running and fighting for your life, and then you turn around and you're literally playing the level 1-1 of Super Mario Bros. Well, you know, there, there was a lot of great Easter eggs, and a lot of them you brought to my attention and a lot I've seen. But the other thing is the fact that it is considered, you know, it's it's being viewed as a new survival horror franchise. And for a game that, let's be honest, out, you know, we, we, we were hit with a huge blitz of content for this game from a work standpoint. Slick can attest to that because Slick pretty much spearheaded the efforts for for all content pertaining to that game. And with that said, you know, it's always go it always boils down to what I said before. If you invest your energy correctly in marketing and reaching the right audience, you're going to sell product. But you also have to acknowledge the fact that if your product is shitty, it's going to be called out as such. Think about it. Think about how much work went into Dying Light content from us for our readers and listeners. 
and it was it was well deserved, you know. Absolutely. And that's what bothers me, you know. the the old The old methods of marketing still work, you know. Word of mouth still speaks volumes. And if a game is shit, a game is shit, you know. No amount of sugar coating or pretty graphics is going to hide that. <laughs> uh oh. When you said that. Oh boy! Here we go. Why did Evolve pop into my head? Yeah, but, well, you know what it is. I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I'm probably picking up Evolve this weekend, and I'll tell you why. Not because I want to be a glutton for punishment, but because the creature design looks kind of cool, and I got some you know Best Buy reward certificates laying around. So I'm gonna knock a couple of dollars off of it. And I haven't played a game in quite some time, so I kind of feel behind the eight ball. You guys are enjoying all the new shit. I'm running, I'm running around playing behind the scenes, trying to make everything work, and I haven't really turned on any consoles. So I figured, ah, let me show Evolve some love and and jump in the driver's seat a little bit. So, excuse me, I'm gonna try and pick that up, but that's also depending on you know if anything awesome comes out of Toy Fair that wants to steal my money. Well, the only thing is that the thing you see at Toy Fair probably won't be available that day. Well, you never know, because I actually got a weird email, and, I, and I'll say it on air, because fuck it. Uh, you know, I got a weird email about, you know, pre-sale discounts on items during the show. So, again, mm. yeah, exactly, which is, a, which is a first. So, we'll see how that goes. But, again, you know, keep it locked to um, MTR Live, uh, correction, uh, Rageworks.net, and, of course, our social media accounts so you can see all the awesome photos i did want to add before we wrap things up uh the new 3ds xl of course everybody chomping at the bit all i see is just the the anguish of people complaining about the transfer system which i wanted a reference because you brought it up the last time we were talking about it and it just feels like no matter how many solutions they're trying to present none of them are good (laughs) I don't see any problem with the transfer system if you just, like, let's say, walked into a store and bought a new 3DS and right. took it home. Right. Versus if you tried to do the freaking GameStop <laughs> trade-in that I bitched about a couple of weeks ago. Yes, sir. I mean, oh, so that's that's what they complained about? Oh, dude, people are just, they're just firing brimstone online about that because people are like, you know, this is bullshit. Nintendo could have done a better job. And blah blah blah, and I and I just hate telling people the same shit. You know what what Nintendo's good at? Putting out shit that you're gonna play. They suck at everything else. Oh, storage options? Yeah, okay. Like you would think, hey, your stuff gets saved into the cloud, and you down you buy a new system, you log in with your with your gamer ID, and your shit gets downloaded once again. Your saves and everything. Oh no, we don't do that. That you know, real shit that works. Yeah, we don't do that here. <laughs> Nintendo's never done that. And I mean, unless there was some way to, I don't know. I mean, this probably weighs around it, but it's more for like people who are more, you know, tech savvy like you and I that probably have a card reader that can hold both a regular SD card and a a micro SD card. Right. I mean, I really don't see a huge problem with transferring the data. I mean, there's got to be some way to get the date, like any saved data that you have on the SD card onto the micro SD card on the, the new 3DS. Otherwise, what's the point? Well, I want to I wanna try and see how many, how many people that we know 
um, listeners or just acquaintances or off air acquaintances and friends actually pull the trigger on a new 3DS. And I'm curious to see how the uh, the transfer system works for them, because, again, we're also talking about the complaints of the masses and, you know, for every five legitimate complaints, three, three of them are based off motherfuckers that can't follow directions. Let's not kid ourselves either. You know, so again, it's better. Or they it, don't bother to read them. And yeah, or just, yep, yeah, I'm just going to raw dog it and hope for the best. And that's not the case. You know, it's like, oh, shit, I lost all my stuff. Yeah, well, did you read the instructions? Did you do X? Did you do Y? Oh, you didn't? Well, fuck you very much. I mean, I will be buying it tomorrow, but, you know, life is life. Is life. <laughs> Responsibilities get in the way. In a couple of months or so. Yeah, responsibilities get in the way. I've been, you know, between that and, and, you know, just I've been seeing so many people, you know, with all the Amiibo stuff, which we talked about before. And, um, you know, I think I think Nintendo from a marketing standpoint is killing it from a from an accessibility standpoint, from from them, you know, just making things easier. They just they just can't do that. It's like, oh, everybody has gamer tags. We're going to give you a long ass 12 digit social security number. That's what you're using. Oh, oh, you want to play I mean, a game they, with your friend? For that, and it's funny because <laughs> kids were still getting stalked by freaking pervert creeps. But there you go. I mean, it is what it is. They, they're trying to keep children safe. One oh nine. Hearts were in the right place with that. One oh nine seven eight six four niner. Did you throw a niner in there? Yes, I did. <laughs> Jesus. Dude, come on. That's what the fuck. That's what bothers me about that. It's like, oh, yeah, um, your gamer tag is, you know, purple pants 76. Okay, got it. What about you? 10763535356266. What? <laughs> and the worst part about it, you can't even make up your own codes. Nope. Some random ass shit. You got to, it's like, we got to remember our social security numbers, our phone numbers birth dates, anniversaries, all this other shit. Oh, yeah, by the way, don't forget your Nintendo friend code, too. And then, don't forget <laughs> the friend code associated with the games. Yep, because that's a separate friend code. You know, in case you couldn't remember one long-ass 1-900 number, <laughs> we want you to remember another social security number to boot. It's it's ridiculous, dude. Like that's what bothers me. Like when everybody's like, "Yo, give me your friend code," and I just see pages and pages of just fucking numbers, just use. It's like looking at a screen from the fucking Matrix. <laughs> when I see that shit on Facebook, I'm like, "Yo, get out of here." Yeah, but uh, I worry about a, a new 3ds when either when the bills lighten up or when there's a game that that has additional features for it that I actually want to play because honestly. I love the Zelda series, but Majora's Mask, I did not really dig that much. Okay. The whole three-day cycle shit, I was like, get out of here. Fair enough. No harm in that. All right. So with that said, that actually is um the end of our of our, of our gaming news, unless there's anything else you want to add. Yep. Get down like fuck evolve. <laughs> the views expressed on my take radio do not reflect the views. <laughs> I don't know, man. That seemed a little generic. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, I will definitely keep everybody posted. No, I, 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 I,
That's that should be that should be the bottom line on the review for Dying Light. You should just edit the bottom line of the review. It's like positives, negatives. Bottom line: buy this shit and don't buy Evolve. Jesus. Oh, and then close it out with "You're welcome." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, my friend. That's it. Anything else? I'll change my name to Slick Down. Oh, there you go. All right, so we clean, All we right, straight. Bro, I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Peace. All right, so our very own Slick. Again, you can find him on Twitter at RW underscore Slick. If you want to give him any shit about Evolve, you can reach out to him there, or you can reach out via our Facebook fan pages, either for My Take Radio or for Rageworks, and let him know that you disagree with his assessment. As for me, I'll probably pick up Evolve, and if I do, you'll see a review for it on Rageworks sooner rather than later. All right, so... We're going to switch gears now and jump into this week's entertainment news because there's a shit ton of stuff going on. Spider-Man's no longer with Sony. People are losing their minds. Sam Jackson only has two more Marvel films before his contract is up. Disaster in the streets. It's insane. Let's get that ball rolling. All right, so let's get that ball rolling with some Deadpool news. Of course, many of you have seen on social media that Ryan Reynolds has already started the preliminary costume fittings for Deadpool. We got to see the mask and the uh, the trademark bodysuit. Of course, the photo was in black and white, depending on which social media outlet you were looking at. So you didn't get a complete detailed photo of what's going on. But I am, um, I'm still, you know, I'm I'm holding out hope in the belief that Ryan Reynolds passion for the project is, is going to be part of the driving force that the movie is going to be um, as successful as many of us hope it will be. And the reason I say this is because you're looking at a character who breaks the fourth wall is essentially an R rated character and is being brought to life because not only of the, because of the passion of the fans, but because of the belief of the lead actor involved in the project. When you look at movies with Wolverine, Uh, Part of the success isn't just the fact that Hugh Jackman got in great shape to play Wolverine, but it's also about the fact that he believes in the character and the character's longevity on the big screen. We can only hope that Ryan Reynolds' passion and limited budget for this film are a driving force in ensuring that Deadpool is successful. On the casting front, besides, of course, Deadpool and, you know, playing Wade, um, Wade Wilson slash Deadpool being portrayed by Ryan Reynolds, they are looking at... Um, female leads to star alongside him right now actresses in the running are Morena Baccarin Taylor Schilling Christo Reed and Rebecca Rittenhouse Um, of course Morena Baccarin many of you may know from V Homeland and also currently on Gotham as Dr. Leslie Tompkins Taylor Schilling many of you may know from Orange is the New Black Christo Reed is from Teen Wolf and Rebecca Rittenhouse is on the Red Band Society Now, there's also two other actresses being considered. That would be Sarah Green from Vikings and Jessica DeGau from Arrow. Um, With Deadpool, it's weird because you don't want to get too tied up in any sort of romantic stuff. But you unless you're going to use it from a wisecracking perspective or just somebody to kind of offset the craziness of Wade Wilson, 
maybe that's going to work. But as far as as far as I'm concerned with Deadpool's character and how he could translate to the silver screen, you could look at any book, any comic, and pretty much pluck out exactly what that film is, you know, what that movie would entail, and you would probably get it right at least eighty percent of the time because. Most of Deadpool's books, even in an ongoing series, yes, they have some sort of a narrative, but most times they're pretty self-contained and a lot, and they're just insane balls to the wall, people getting shot, violence all over the place, fourth wall being broken, and um, you know those are things that definitely are going to be items that fans are going to be on the lookout for. Of course, Deadpool currently is in principal photography and is in the process of filming, and it will be out next year. All right, so the other big news item that made a lot of waves last week was the um, the rumor, which was pretty much validated by a couple of different a couple of different sites, including the Wall Street Journal, is that Nintendo is looking on bringing Zelda to Netflix as a live action show. They're looking to create what essentially would translate to a Game of Thrones style series for a family audience. Now. I have no issue with this whatsoever. I feel that if the story is is done right and and it's given justice, I think it would translate well to something like HBO because you're I mean, excuse me, Netflix because you're escaping the confines of, you know, network television and a rating system and it'll give you an opportunity to really flesh out certain characters and tell some really really good stories. But if anything if if Game of Thrones has taught us anything is that you need very big budgets in order to tell really effective fantasy narratives. And when you look at The Legend of Zelda, if it's one thing that that's chock full of is fantasy narratives. So I'm going to take a wait and see approach with it right now. But I do feel that if anybody has the tools to make it work, it's Netflix. And, you know, with Nintendo being the partner that it is, I'm sure Nintendo is going to shoulder some of the load to ensure that their property is given the proper treatment. I'm looking forward to seeing how it how it unfolds. And of course, once I hear more, I will definitely share it with you guys. On a much sadder note, I, I have to report this bit of news, which I'm sure is going to sadden Slick and a lot of our listeners. But Black Dynamite, of course, the animated series on Adult Swim, has been canceled and will not return for a third season. Uh, Carl Jones made the announcement via Twitter saying nothing except that it is canceled. He hasn't responded to any comments from fans. It's pretty much exactly that. Just wanted to let everyone know that Black Dynamite has been canceled. Thanks for the love and support. Of course, for those of you not familiar with Black Dynamite, Black Dynamite was based on a uh, 2009 film of the same name. Uh, Michael Jai White, Byron Minns. Timmy, uh, excuse me, Timmy, Tommy Davidson and Kim Whitley reprised their roles from the film in the series, which started on Adult Swim in 2012. The second season kicked off in 2014. So pour one out for Black Dynamite, which was a solid show that kept pretty much everything from the film intact in terms of comedy, execution and just plot development it was good, it was campy, and it will definitely be missed. So pour one out for Black Dynamite as it will not be getting a third season. All right, so the next bit of news is going to probably ruffle quite a few feathers. For me personally, when I heard the news, my response was, why? But for a lot of people, they're going to ask themselves more than that. They're going to be like, why are they fucking wasting money? And um, that is because Neighbors, of course, 
starring Seth Rogen, Zac Efron, and Rose Byrne, will be getting a sequel. The original film earned $269 million worldwide, which was the biggest original comedy draw for 2014. Of course, that is the driving force behind the film getting a reason, uh, a sequel, but I'll be honest in saying that I saw Neighbors and I really wasn't blown away by it being super funny. If anything, it had maybe three or four passably funny scenes and the rest of it was pretty much uh, um, a film acknowledging that motherfuckers grow old. And of course, on cue, Slick writes in the chat that I hate comedies. (laughs) And again, I say the same thing. I don't hate them. I just got a higher standard for comedy. That's just me. Oh, and there goes Skype dropping out. The question is, who did it drop out from Blog Talk Radio or did it drop out for video? And of course, it's Blog Talk Radio. So hold on one second while we dial back into the switchboard to take some calls. It's been a while since that's happened. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. To start your show. Since it appears you're calling back into a live show, we are reconnecting you now. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks a lot for that. Anyway, as I was saying before, I had to get uh, cut off on the switchboard side. Um, you know, we're getting a, a sequel to Neighbors. Obviously, the biggest the biggest motivator for that is the 269 box office draw, uh, 269 million dollar box office draw. But again. You know, if if you're going to continue just cranking out movies based on the fact that they made good money at the box office and not trying to at least make them remotely funnier than the original, then all you're doing is just clogging up the box office and not letting original or at least better content hit the big screen. And again, neighbors, people are going to debate me on it. They thought that the movie was funny. And, you know, and, and I'm sure they're going to reach out and say, Rich, you're full of shit, man. That movie was awesome. And again, I ended up seeing Neighbors because so many people told me that it was so fucking funny. And I watched it. I laughed maybe three times tops. Other than that, you know, and I just feel it's probably because Seth Rogen, people swear that Seth Rogen is like, you know, super funny in all these movies. But he's all right. You know, he's not. He's not setting the comedy world on fire. He pretty much plays essentially the same guy in every film. Same thing with Dave Franco, Dave Franco, Zac Efron. They're playing the same fucking guys. So, you know, again, we'll see what the deal is. The expected release date for Neighbors 2 is going to be May May 13th, 2016. Now, if you're wondering what the plot is about, it is pretty much essentially the same plot as the first one, except instead of a fraternity moving next door, it's going to be a sorority that moves next door. And of course, you know, Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne recruit the services of Zac Efron to help them get the sorority out of the house next door. Again, pretty much essentially the same plot, just with sororities instead of fraternities. There you have it. All right, so the other bit of sequel news I wanted to share with you guys was it's it's a little dated given given the subject matter but when I read it I'm sure I said to myself dark helmet in the chat is gonna lose his mind and that is the fact that good old Mel Brooks would like to do a second Spaceballs movie I kid you not it's not a joke 
100% legit, he is actually contemplating trying to get a second Spaceballs movie done. So there you have it. Um, He did an interview with Parade where he said that Tom Meehan had some great ideas for a sequel, but he said that he would not do it unless he was able to bring back Rick Moranis, which, of course, Rick Moranis has pretty much said on numerous occasions that he is retired, so it's going to be all about convincing him to come out of retirement to do this movie. Um, Considering how funny Spaceballs was and how how great it was at not taking itself seriously, I'm curious to see if Mel Brooks can even pull that off. Because you know what it is? So many, like, you know, Bill Pullman's fucking old. John Candy's deceased. Joan Rivers is deceased. Um, you know, and, and most of the other actors, they've definitely, um, most of them are, are, are very, very old. So unless you, you, you're recasting or you're trying to tell a different spin on it, the only way to make it remotely work is by using probably Rick Moranis's dark helmet, Colonel Sanders, of course, Mel Brooks as, um, uh, president Scrooge. Uh, definitely Bill Pullman, Daphne Zuniga, uh, obviously John Candy's out, Dot Matrix is out, of of course, the late Joan Rivers, but you could probably do a lot more with it. Um, the rest of the cast, you know, they're, they're, they're old, but I think it would be a good opportunity to also use a little bit of young blood in there and, and really try and bring it to life. I'm sure if, if, if it was a good enough script and you convinced them, you, pro- you could probably get Rick Moranis to come out of retirement, and, I, and I'd be honest... If I say, if I didn't say that, I'd probably mark out if I saw Rick Moranis as old dark helmet, um, mentoring a brand new uh, a, a brand new user of the Schwartz. At least at least in that in that respect, you could have some younger talent involved. Again, I marked out pretty hard. I like Spaceballs. Spaceballs is a movie I pretty much own on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. So again, and, and I also have a soft spot for Mel Brooks. I like a lot of Mel Brooks comedies. Um, Spaceballs being one of my all-time favorites, just because I used to watch that on every channel when I was a kid. It was one of the few comedies that, you know, used to get by my mom without her, you know, glancing over my shoulder to see what was going on. Um, So I have a soft spot for it, but we'll see what happens again. As of right now, take it with a, take it with a wait and see approach, but Mel Brooks definitely would love to see a, um, uh, you know, Mel Brooks would love to bring us a brand new sequel to Spaceballs. So we we know that the Hunger Games is currently on pretty much wrapping up with the second part of Mockingjay hitting theaters later this year. Um, but the crazy thing is that Lionsgate doesn't want to end the Hunger Games universe with that final film. They're already entertaining possibilities of get this uh, spinoff sequels and prequels to keep it all alive. And and for me, I just feel that if you went through the trouble of bringing these books to life, they're well received, they made a lot of money. Don't ruin the legacy of 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 these of these good stories by trying to create other stories for the sake of grabbing money. It really there's no necessity for it. I think it's stupid and they should just let the series play out, wrap it up and just leave it alone. I think when you look at a series like The Hunger Games and you see how well it's done, in the box office, you know that it's a pretty self-contained story. You know that there's, you know, X book, you know, there's X number of books and they're bringing them to the big screen and that's it. I mean, Harry Potter, you know, Harry Potter did it right. I have to admit they did all the books and then that was it. Yes, they want to do the, um, 
you know, the Mystical Beast films, but the Harry Potter series in essence is done unless they want to come out of the woodwork and do something else. I feel that Harry Potter is one of the few series where it started and it ended and that was it. Again, don't quote me on it because they they can always turn around and try and do something else. But Harry Potter, like I said, is one of the few uh, books that translated to the big screen that still had their its beginning, its middle, and its end. The Twilight series is definitely a second in that regard. But there's always been rumors and speculation that they want to try and extend that 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 series and you know try and capitalize on its success as much as possible. Again, much like the Hunger Games. It doesn't it doesn't shock me in the least. Um, Slick mentions 50 Shades of Grey, which um, my wife actually went to the screening for that yesterday. So be on the lookout for a review for that on RageWorks.net. Uh, 50 Shades of Grey is comprised of three books and it's based on Twilight fan fiction. I can honestly tell you that the reviews for the film have not been good. And all I can say with regards to our review for the film is wait and see. That's all I'm going to say. But um, that book, that book series, they've already said that they are going to do the other two books, on, you know, in the big screen on the box. Excuse me. They're going to do the next two books as well for for, you know, movie adaptations. And it shouldn't be a surprise. Like I said, the film. Yeah, pretty much slick, pretty much. Thank you for spoiling that. Um, but um, as I was saying, you know, that movie like I said, number one uh, box office uh, number correction, number one pre-order via Fandango for an R-rated film, breaking the record set by the Hangover film. So obviously, this film hasn't dropped officially, and everybody was you know pre-ordering tickets left and right. And yes, you can read some of the other reviews, and you'll know what to expect. But of course, you know our review is going to be pretty pretty straight and to the point, and it's going to break down the right, the wrong, and the utterly ridiculous of that series. Again, it's a it's a bondage film that's supposed to be chock full of sex and all this shit, and I'll just leave it alone. I'll just leave it alone, and I'll let you guys uh, check out the review when it drops. All right, I want to talk box office totals. The SpongeBob movie, which surprised me, took the number one slot, earning $56 million, considering that Obviously, SpongeBob hasn't exactly been super relevant as of late. Was a very, very big surprise. Knocking American Sniper off its perch to number two. American Sniper earns $24.2 million. Its grand total thus far, $282.3 million. Jupiter Ascending was number three, earning $19 million. Seventh Son was number four. Paddington was number five. Project Almanac was six. The Imitation Game was number seven. The Wedding Ringer was eight. Black or White was number nine. And The Boy Next Door was number 10. So there you have it. A very surprising box office haul for the SpongeBob movie. I can almost guarantee that Fifty Shades of Grey will be number one this weekend for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's being released just in time for Valentine's Day. Number two, a whole bunch of suckers are going to be dragged by their significant others to see this movie in the hopes that it will possibly reignite their stale sex lives. I got a better idea. Buy some lube, some condoms, and maybe a rabbit vibrator or two and, you know, solve your problems yourself because this movie isn't going to solve shit. I'm afraid I got some bad news. And I, I actually feel that 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 definitely deserves that clip. 
110% because it's, it's, you know. Well, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Pretty much. That's, uh, that's pretty much how I, how I sum up the, um, the situation with uh, Fifty Shades of Grey for its box office weekend. So again, if you got a significant other that wants to drag you to the theater to see that, yeah, throw yourself down some stairs. It's far more entertaining. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, let's talk Marvel movies and the rumor that's been floating around that they want Angelina Jolie to direct Captain Marvel. Of course, there were a lot of reviews, um, a lot of different websites reporting that Angelina Jolie was in line to play Captain Marvel. That is not the case. OK Magazine reports in their February issue that Marvel Studios was very impressed with Angelina Jolie's Unbroken and had offered her $20 million to direct the first female-led superhero, of course, Captain Marvel. Now, the thing that gets me about this is, yes, Unbroken was a good film, and I'm not taking anything away from Angelina Jolie, but the fact is that there are so many other talented directors out there. Yes, Unbroken was a was a solid movie. It was very well received, but you know, there like I said, there's there's so many other talented directors, male or female, that can bring Captain Marvel to life. I think that what's going to make Captain Marvel successful is going to be special effects number 1, the lead actress number 2, and the director I kind of take into the third slot because at the end of the day if the story is good, and, and the narrative is good. The director is going to bring that vision to life. I mean, you know, we've seen movies done by directors who we thought were not going to be good and ended up surprising us. I mean, even even when you look at, you know, the Spider-Man films and even the newer ones, you realize that they weren't terrible. Yes, they lacked a lot of stuff, but they weren't, you know, they weren't steaming piles of shit. So sometimes name recogni- name recognition means nothing. Now, the fact that they want to try and get a female director is very interesting just because I don't feel that a female or male director um, is going to matter in terms of bringing this film to life. But again, Marvel usually, uh, I'd like to say, has been batting quite high as of late. So we'll see what happens. But it's a very interesting rumor. And the fact that they're willing to drop $20 million for her to direct the film is very interesting because you're taking a a, a very, you know, a, a quote unquote serious actress and you're putting her in the director's chair for what is essentially a superhero movie. But I will say, if Kenneth Branagh could do an amazing job with the first Thor film, I'm willing to give Angelina Jolie a shot to see if she could bring Captain Marvel to life as effectively. We'll see what happens, but Captain Captain Marvel is scheduled to hit theaters July 6th, 2018. So, uh, let's see. Blob says, I'm so tired of people that don't know what the hell they're dipping into, and that's the people they want to direct stuff. Hey, let's get Adam Sandler to make an action movie that stars Seagal and Snipes. <laughs> I think that's a very, very extreme situation. I think that what, what Marvel was trying to do is that they're trying to take somebody who's being who's recognized as being a critically a uh, uh, correction, excuse me, a uh, critically acclaimed director and put her behind the pro- behind a project that's considered a superhero film. I mean, for as much as people love comic book movies, the the general consensus, you know, the critics don't look at them very, very favorably. So you need to put a name uh, associated with that in order to get the critics and the awards and, you know, the awards, uh, the award nominees out there. You know what I'm saying? So 
like let's look at let's look at the Batman movies. You know, Christopher Nolan did an amazing job. But again, Christopher Nolan is a is a legit director. I mean, he does amazing films. So when he jumped on board with Batman, a lot of people were very, very concerned that he was going to tarnish his legacy. And of course, he gave us some of the best Batman stories we've ever seen. And not only did, you know, the critics, but the awards, you know, the award nominations that came in for all these films, they were they were definitely there and it definitely validated the work of, you know, the quote unquote comic book genre. So, you know, when you look at films like Iron Man, Thor, the Avengers to to an extent, but the Batman series especially, you'll see that, you know, big name directors are no longer afraid of attaching their names to superhero projects because not only is it guaranteeing them huge grosses at the box office, but it's also letting critics look at them in a more favorable light. Not only that, but you know, even like I said, you know, the Academy is looking at things like that and they're like, you know, that film is pretty good. The effects in that film are good, et cetera, et cetera. So the Angelina Jolie thing, yes, it sounds like a flash in the pan reactionary um, approach by Marvel, but I'm willing to take a wait and see approach because who knows, she may reject the offer and we may get somebody else directing it. But as of right now, she seems to be the one that they're going after and they got $20 million on the line to make it so. Like I said, Captain Marvel hits theaters July 6th, 2018. All right, so, of course, let's talk about the big Marvel story, Spider-Man making his way into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. While I I said at the start of, of, of the uh, segment that, you know, Spider-Man essentially is outside of the clutches of Sony, um... That's that's not the case. And, you know, Slick reminded me of that. But I'll be honest when I say this. With the departure of Amy Pascal and pretty much Sony's lack of belief in Spider-Man as a property, they've pretty much essentially given Spider-Man back to Marvel. The only thing that they're getting out of the situation is the right to release the film and distribute it because obviously they want a portion of the gross. Now, that's not to say that Marvel and Sony getting together is going to guarantee a successful Spider-Man film. Of course that, you know, you could, you could put those two together and the film could still suck, but the bigger, the bigger benefit here is the inclusion of Spider-Man in the Marvel universe as a whole. And that's what everybody is kind of, you know, losing sight of. Everybody's talking about, oh, they're going to do a new Spider-Man movie and they need a new Spider-Man. And is it going to be black Spider-Man? Is it going to be white Spider-Man? Is it going to be, you know, Miles Morales? Is it going to be Peter Parker? You know, you're losing sight of the big fucking picture. And it's the fact that when you talk about Marvel, the main guy that comes to mind is Spider-Man, period. Whether, Whether you're talking about events involving the fantastic four events involving the the avengers events involving excuse me involving you know street level heroes like daredevil and the punisher spider-man is always involved simple as that in the old days when you'd watch a marvel cartoon and they'd show that marvel logo at the end who would drop on the m on top of that marvel logo spider-man plain and simple you know, Marvel is Spider-Man. As much as Marvel would like you to believe that they're Wolverine or the Punisher or, you know, any of these other heroes, Marvel is Spider-Man. 
And the fact that a Marvel Cinematic Universe exists without their flagship hero is is just a, a big, big problem. Now, of course, everybody jumps out of their skin and they say, well, Spider-Man shouldn't, you know, Marvel shouldn't have given up the rights to Spider-Man in the first place. Let's be honest. Before Marvel Studios was established, the only way that we were getting superhero films is because other studios were willing to take a gamble and bring those films to light. Simple as that. Nobody was chomping at the bit to do superhero movies because a lot of times they looked at those movies as kryptonite and as poor box office draws. It took, you know, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films, Christopher Nolan's Batman films, the original Joel Schumacher uh, correction, not Joel Schumacher, the original Tim Burton Batman movies to set a precedent to get people interested in superheroes again. The same thing applies with characters like Blade. You know, Blade was one of those superhero films that went under the radar and was probably one of the most accurate representations of a comic book hero. You know, yes, you tried to get movies like The Punisher and Ghost Rider out there and they sucked and they weren't good or people didn't enjoy them. But the fact is that you needed those heroes to set the to set the standard so that Marvel could create their own studio. So what bothers me is that everybody's jumping on social media talking about, I want to see Miles Morales as Spider-Man. I want to see Asian Spider-Man. I want to see white Spider-Man. How about this? How about I just want to see Spider-Man in an Avengers movie? How about that? How about in a story involving Daredevil on Netflix, we could see Spider-Man or even acknowledge that Spider-Man exists? How difficult is that? And that's the problem. Too many people are jumping on social media and they're talking about, yeah, well, you know, Miles Morales should be Spider-Man and Donald Glover should be Spider-Man. First of all, let's get the the biggest issue out of the way. And that's the fact that we're not even going to see Spider-Man till Captain America Civil War. And even then, it's all about Captain America. Spider-Man's going to be an afterthought. Yes, he's going to be a catalyst and he's going to be involved. But the film is about Captain America. You know, Tony Stark and Captain America's quote unquote issues are going to start taking form in that film. So everybody chomping at the bit. Oh, we're going to see Miles Morales. We're going to see this. We're going to see that. Let's 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 acknowledge it for what it is. It's Spider-Man coming home. That's it. And before anybody chomps at the bit and says, oh, well, you know, Wolverine should follow suit and the X-Men should follow suit. Wolverine and the X-Men are in a different category because those movies make money. Simple as that. Those movies make money. At the end of the day, Fox is making a shitload of money with the X-Men movies. Whether it's the Wolverine ones or just the regular X-Men first class films. They are making money. The only way that they're going to be willing to allow Marvel to use the X-Men, much less Wolverine, in their cinematic universe is going to be with an exchange of a lot of fucking money. That's not to say that it's not going to happen, but it's to say that it's going to cost a lot of money. If you guys want to see Wolverine and the X-Men back with Marvel in Marvel Studios, then you guys can't go to the movies and support those films. You guys want to see X-Men back in the Marvel Universe, then you can't go see X-Men Apocalypse. You want to see Wolverine talking shit to Captain America and Iron Man, then you can't go see Wolverine 3, because that's the only way 
that the studios are going to release their grip. Why do you think... That was weird. Why do you think the um, the Fantastic Four, their comics are getting canceled by Marvel? Because Marvel is not happy with what they're doing with the Fantastic Four, and they want them to fail. They want them to fail so that they can bring the Fantastic Four back home for practically nothing. And if you guys are fans of the Fantastic Four and you want to see them back with Marvel, then don't go see the new Fantastic Four film. It's as easy as that. The whole reason why Spider-Man was allowed to be used is because Sony did not believe that Spider-Man 2 was as successful as it really was. Which is weird because when you look at the box office totals for Amazing Spider-Man 2, it it did pretty well. But I guess it didn't do well enough compared to, I don't know, Iron Man 3, The Avengers. Alright, understandable. But that's the only reason why Sony's even letting this happen. Because they know that they're losing money. Now, that doesn't mean that all those other Spider-Man projects aren't going to happen. Meaning, you're still going to see a Sinister Six movie. It's still going to happen. They still want to do some sort of uh, female superheroes, you know, related to the Spider-Man universe with Black Cat and all that. So, again, that stuff is still going to happen. But... In terms of just Spider-Man himself, Marvel's overseeing that and Sony's going to handle the distribution. Because at the end of the day, Spider-Man is Marvel. Now, Slick, of course, added some numbers, which I got to share with you guys. Amazing Spider-Man 2 tripled its budget. It cost $200 million, made $709 million. Slick says, and I quote, I call that successful. I agree. But you got to remember... When you're looking at 709 million versus 1 billion for the Avengers, you know, I think Sony's going to look at that and be like, "Ah, could, we could have made more money." Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. But the way I see it is like this. If you want a 1 billion dollar Spider-Man movie that makes a billion dollars at the box office, Marvel has to be the one doing it. Simple as that. Because they'll be able to include certain things and add certain characters and above all else ensure that those characters are done right. Because Marvel, Marvel's not accepting anything less. So, again, I wouldn't worry about which Spider-Man we're going to see on the big screen. I would just be excited about the fact that we're going to see Spider-Man on screen with Captain America, with Iron Man, and the rest of the Avengers. That should be the biggest thing and everything else should be secondary so please before you jump on your high horses talking about oh i want to see donald glover or this guy or that guy wait and see because right now the the general consensus is that spider-man's essentially going back to high school that's what they're going to do and they're looking at younger actors right now one of the one of the guys whose name's been tossed around is logan lerman who many of you may know from percy jackson and fury A lot of people are looking at him to be Spider-Man in the next set of films. We'll see if that's the case, but that's the only name that right now has any weight. Now, with regards to how Spider-Man's return to the Marvel, well, Spider-Man's entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe affects the schedule of films, let me give you guys a couple of dates for you guys to take notes. So right now, the plan was to put Spider-Man into Captain America Civil War, considering 
that that would be the first Marvel Cinematic Universe film that would be out first. Civil War most likely will be one of the films where we'll see Spider-Man, but we may see him possibly in an after credit scene in Captain America Civil War. Again, don't quote me on it, but that's the direction they want to go in. In addition to that, um, Doctor Strange, which comes out November 4th, 2016, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which is May 5th, 2017, Thor Ragnarok has actually been moved from July 28th, 2017 to November 3rd, 2017, and they've also moved Black Panther to July 6th, 2017, and The Inhumans was actually now moved to a summer 2019 release date. Captain Marvel, of course, like I said before, was moved to November 2018. So it looks like Marvel's going to release its first Spider-Man film under the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2017. So there you have it. Make notes. We got Avengers Age of Ultron. Then we got Captain. Then we're going to have Doctor Strange. Then somewhere in between, we're going to throw Black Panther in there, um, which got moved to 2017. And uh, Thor Ragnarok got moved to 2017 as well. So July 28th, like I said, we're probably going to get Spider-Man. And then in November, we're going to get Thor. It's a, it's a very, very big release calendar for Marvel. And I'm sure the dates are going to continue to be shuffled around depending on the narrative and the success of the films. But <clears throat> let's go let's go baby steps. We got Avengers Age of Ultron, which is which is next. And then let's see how that plays out. Because after that, we got Ant-Man, and then after Ant-Man, we got everything else. And let's see how it plays out. Let's see if they start dropping Easter eggs about Spider-Man's involvement. Let's see what kind of casting they're going to go with. And like I said, all signs are pointing to them doing a high school-aged Spider-Man and then taking it from there. Again, that can change at a moment's notice, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Let's go to a couple of comments in the chat. Uh, Blob says the Fox produced Marvel movies are garbage. They make so much stuff up. I actually debated people that believe that Silver Surfer got his powers from his board. The comics are canon. The cartoons, animated series, etc. aren't. The comics are the source. No argument there. Slick adds that Iron Man 3 made more money than the Avengers, but not by much, but it did. Avengers made $1.5 billion. Iron Man 3 made... No, uh, nope, it's right, it's right. Iron Man 3 did make more than the Avengers. That is correct. So, it was it was more than 1.2, right, Slick, for Iron Man 3? Because I know, I know the number's right, because Iron Man 3 made more than the Avengers. I'm trying to remember if it was 2 billion, though. If it was a $2.1 billion haul for Iron Man 3, and then a $1.5 billion haul for the Avengers. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if I am, just let me know. Uh, it was backwards, right? I figured as much because I remember Iron Man 3 breaking that $2 billion threshold was a big deal. Oh, okay, okay. Correction. Let me let me rephrase that. Avengers beat Iron Man 3. Thank you, Slick. Uh, Blob adds, if we want to talk about who's saving Mar- the Marvel Universe, Doctor Strange is carrying the Marvel Universe. If he wasn't around to stop Shuma Gorath, the universe would die. <laughs> if he is in the infinity gauntlet movies thanos better watch out we'll wait and see with regards to that anyway a couple of other things i did want to point out um first and foremost for those of you that are like me and are watching 
Constantine on NBC, you guys know that even though Constantine is a very good show and very true to the comics, it's in a terrible time slot and NBC really, really wants the show to succeed. A lot of times people are watching the shows and using the safe Constantine hashtag. I continue to reinforce you guys do that, but there is some light at the end of the tunnel because it looks like Constantine may be moved to the sci-fi channel and given a new lease on life. I think moving it to sci-fi would be good from a rating standpoint because the harder ratings requirements of mainstream television are, are something that definitely hurt a lot of shows, but shows with niche followings tend to thrive on the, in the cable space. So we'll see what happens, but all signs point to Constantine moving to sci-fi. So there you have it. If you're a fan of Constantine, definitely uh, use the uh, save Constantine hashtag on Twitter, make your voice heard. And let's see if we can get Constantine moved to sci-fi and hopefully given another season. There you have it. All right. So you could throw this in the what the fuck movie news category. And it's because it's a story I talked about a couple of months back. And it was that we were going to be getting an Uncle Buck TV series. Now, the concept of the Uncle Buck TV series was pretty much in line with what we've seen on screen um, in the, you know, with John Candy, but it looks like they're going to change it a little bit. According to Showbiz 411, the Uncle Buck TV series will be featuring an African-American cast for the parts, you know, for all parts, including Uncle Buck Russell. Uh, thus far, the casting notices are looking for an actor who is in his late 20 to early 30s to play the character of Uncle Buck. Um, of course, the original film was released in 1989, and then they did a short-lived series in 1990. So there you have it. The next Uncle Buck TV series will be comprised of African-American actors. I don't even know how I feel about that because I don't even think Uncle Buck deserves another TV show run, but we'll see what happens. Slick adds that Constantine is officially moving to sci-fi as Hellblazer. If that is the case, Slick, please find me a source because I'd like to I'd, I'd like to know that just for my own for my own information. Thank you very much. On the DC side of things, of course, it can't just be all Marvel movie news. The Rock actually spoke about his portrayal of Black Adam in the upcoming Shazam film, and he did confirm that Shazam will be taking place in the same universe as Batman, Superman, and the Justice League films. And as such, it may happen that we will see Black Adam square off against Superman sometime in the future. But as far as, you know, the film existing in that same universe, The Rock did officially confirm that. So that's something to look forward to. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how The Rock brings Black Adam to life. I think Black Adam is a very underrated character. And if anything, I think The Rock will definitely do him justice. The thing that worries me is how you're going to bring Shazam to life and how you're going to make his character have, you know, just as much weight on screen as Dwayne Johnson is going to have as Black Adam. So we're going to watch that with much interest. And um, once we get more casting news, we will definitely share it with you guys. The other bit of what the fuck movie news I shared with you guys a couple of months back involved a remake of Highlander, which has been started and stopped a dozen times. Well, According to Latino Review, it looks like it is moving forward, and it looks like Dave Bautista will be playing the role of Kurgan, originally played by Clancy Brown in the original Highlander film. So 
There you go. Dave Batista's stock continues to rise in Hollywood, of course, from Drax the Destroyer to Mr. Hinks Inspector with 007. Now as Kurgan in the Highlander reboot, I sincerely doubt we will see w, uh, Batista in a WWE ring anytime soon. If anything, we may see him come in and pretty much retire from the business given his success and his ability and, you know, his his um his ability to be cast in films that are definitely well beyond the usual scope for a guy like Batista. So definitely props to him. Of course, um, his work in guardians of the galaxy was tremendous. I'm looking forward to seeing him as Mr. Hanks inspector. Um, of course, opposite, uh, Daniel Craig is 007. It's definitely going to be very interesting. And of course, if the rumors are to be believed, we may see Batista wielding a sword against Connor McLeod in the Highlander reboot. Of course, if I get any, um, official casting and any other official news i will definitely share it with you guys so i wanted to switch gears before we wrap things up and of course usually we talk about box office totals but i did want to talk about top selling dvds and blu-rays um of course uh dracula untold took the number one slot as the number one selling blu-ray for the week of february 8th followed by john wick which i saw and was incredibly thrilled with how great it was uh, Fury was number three. The Book of Life was number four. The Best of Me was number five. The Box Trolls was six. Lucy was number seven. Ouija was eight. The Maze Runner was nine. And How to Drain, uh, excuse me, How to Drain, How to Train Your Dragon 2 was number 10. Now, with regards to home media as a whole, Dracula still was the number one selling uh, film, just not only for Blu-ray, but digital media as well. With regards to 3D Blu-rays, Guardians of the Galaxy was number one. X-Men Days of Future Past was number two. Not even shocked. Planet of the Apes was number three. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was four. And The Hobbit Desolation of Smaug was number five. (laughs) How to Drain Your Dragon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lucha Lee. (laughs) How to Drain Your Dragon. Starring Seth Rollins. oh shit had to throw that out there thank you lucha lee for that just because you know uh, a good well-placed seth rollins joke is never ever a uh, a wrong thing to do on this show but in any case uh definitely a a good week for blu-rays i um i did get to check out john wick like i said i recommend you check it out if you're a fan of uh really really mindless action but with just a, a really good not only a good amount of great cinematography, but great fight choreography and great effects as well. I was thoroughly surprised. Um, Keanu Reeves was incredibly good in this film. Of course, there are rumors that we will be seeing a sequel to John Wick, which at this point, uh, none of us should be shocked. But if you haven't checked it out, I recommend you do. Um, A lot of people are are telling me to check out Dracula, which I did want to buy. I just didn't get a chance to pick it up. But I am going to try and check it out this week and, of course, share a review with you guys if I do so. All right. So with that, we're actually uh, we're at the end. We're at the end of the line, folks. We're actually going to wrap up the show for this week. Um, Once again, Rageworks and My Take Radio will be represented at New York's Toy Fair starting on February 14th, Valentine's Day and February 15th. Make sure to keep it locked to all social media accounts, including at 
um, rage underscore works on Twitter and at my take radio. Of course, you can follow slick as well at RW underscore slick. And of course on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash my take radio and facebook.com forward slash official rage works to see all the pictures and videos from the convention floor. And of course, keep it locked to rageworks.net for any updates as well. With that said, that is going to wrap up this evening show. So let's take it home on behalf of myself, Slick, and the rest of the Rageworks and MTR crew. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your continued support. And My Take Radio will return next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific for our MMA and wrestling edition. And of course, if you're tuning in for games and entertainment, you're going to want to join us Thursdays at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. As always, archived episodes of the show are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio last but not least if you want the best my take radio experience pick up the official my take radio app available for android ios and windows mobile devices it's 199 cheaper than a cup of coffee and gives you access to 96k stereo episodes of the show mobile wallpapers and other exclusive content i am out of here thanks for watching peace I'm rich, <laughs> That's all, folks.